Paris Lachelle Hobson was a 26-year-old from Columbus, Ohio. She was an artistic type who was close to her mother and brother. On Christmas Day 2019, Paris was at her grandparents' home in Massillon. Paris told everyone she was going to walk down to the local park and she would be back shortly. She was never seen again. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. We spend a lot of time at Unfound concentrating on the words and behaviors of missing people before they disappeared. This could be in the time frame just minutes before the person was never seen again, or we might go back months, if not years, depending on the situations and the people involved. The question is always, was anything said or done by the missing person that could reveal why the disappearance occurred? The answer to that question is sometimes obvious. For example, Renee Lamana had a history of mental illness and paranoia before she disappeared. And in fact, on the night she ran away from her sister's home, Renee was having one of these extreme episodes. Yet, many times, the answer isn't so obvious. For example, did Chance Engelbert really mean it when he said he was going to walk the whole way back to Wyoming from Nebraska? We wouldn't think so, but maybe. Well, with the disappearance of Paris Hobson, in the weeks leading up to Christmas 2019, she was restless and anxious but would not reveal the reasons. Then Paris was gone. Does her case have anything to do with being sleepless in Ohio? And now a summary of the case. This is brought to you by my friend Megan Lyonez's website, charlieproject.org. Paris Hobson had no addictions, vices, or mental issues. She lived with her mother, and they got along well. Paris started out in a career in counseling after college. But then she took what many might call a 180-degree turn and decided to become an event planner, working for the local American Legion. Paris was artistic, writing music, books, and screenplays. Maybe most importantly... Paris kept her deceased brother's memory alive by trying to find out what exactly happened when he was in a car wreck in 2017. But in the weeks leading up to her disappearance, Paris had problems sleeping, something she mentioned to her mother, but Paris would not reveal why this was. So on Christmas Day 2019, Paris and her mother arrived at the grandparents' house in Massillon. Other family members were there as well. 
The plan was to stay for a couple days, then return to Columbus. However, only minutes after arriving, Paris left in her car for 10 minutes, then came back with no explanation given. Then, not even an hour later, while pacing out in front of the house, Paris told her mother she was going to walk down to a local park, but she would be back in no time. Yet, this didn't happen. After an hour had passed, the family drove around the neighborhood looking for Paris. She was never seen again. Eventually, the family discovered Paris had taken her purse, but she had left her phone, ID, and credit card behind in her car. As I continue to say over and over, trying to get inside the heads of missing people is an almost impossible task. They're gone so we can't ask them what they were thinking. Likewise, their actions that we know they took may not have been indicative of what their true intentions were. Please keep that in mind as you try to answer these three questions during the interview. Number one, is it a coincidence that a close friend of Paris's who didn't live in Massillon might have been there at the same time she was? Number two, why would a friend after the disappearance post on Facebook that Paris had been sleeping with this friend's husband, an allegation that ended up being true. And number three, was somebody really blackmailing Paris, or was this a sign that she was starting to not see reality as it is? Paris's family believes that foul play is the most likely scenario for her disappearance. The guest for this episode is Paris's mother, Rochelle Hobson. Unfound news. This is going to continue to be the first item in the news section for a while. Please subscribe to the new Unfound Live podcast on your platform. Listen as I run down some of the biggest news in true crime from the preceding week. And yes, with some analysis. Next, presentation time is upon us. On Tuesday, the 20th, I will be at Florida Southern College in Lakeland, Florida to speak to a class. Then on Thursday, the 22nd, I will be spending all day at Nova Southeastern. In the morning, I will speak to a class. Then in the evening, Dr. Telesco and I will do our live show. It's going to be spectacular. Finally, This past weekend, I once again had a complete stranger at a disc golf tournament come up to me and say, I'm a big fan of your podcast. And I blush every time. Where you can find Unfound. On these following podcast platforms. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, and many others especially outside the United States. The new podcast, Unfound Live, which comes out on Tuesdays, can also be found on these platforms. Social media sites, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newest one, TikTok. Listener support sites, 
Patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. PayPal.me forward slash unfound podcast. The website, theunfoundpodcast.com. The email address, unfoundpodcast at gmail.com. And please mention unfound at all true crime websites and forums. Thank you. A note before the interview starts. You're going to hear some cutouts during my talk with Rochelle. Why is this? After the interview was completed, and upon reflection of the subject matter, Rochelle and I decided to edit out the name of the friend Paris had in Worcester. The reason being that both Rochelle and I believe that some information about him was given to Rochelle unethically, and it violated doctor-patient confidentiality. Thus, although you will hear about this friend and his possible connection to Paris's disappearance, his identity will remain a secret for just myself and Rochelle. Thank you for understanding. I'm so happy to have on this episode of Unfound the mother of Paris Hobson, Rochelle Hobson. Rochelle, welcome to Unfound. Thank you, Edward. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Let's start here as we as we just about always do when we have a family member, especially a parent on Unfound. Let's just talk about your family first. Um, of course, you have two children. You have uh, you have a son and a daughter. Daughter, of course, Paris. Uh, let's just and your son, uh, who we're going to talk about a little bit later. But just um, talk about maybe raising them, your uh, home. How did they get along? How would you explain uh, the Hobson family? Oh, wow. Paris and Perry, they were, they were only 19 months apart. So they were pretty close in age. And they grew up close together. Um, we were a pretty good um, team of three. They yeah. were they were smart kids. They were pretty smart kids. Um, did well in school, and um, I got them out of I got them out of school. So we we worked hard. We worked yeah. hard for all those years. But they were pretty good kids. Yes. Yeah, I have to ask. Uh, your daughter is Paris. Your son is Perry. Was that planned? How, and how did they feel about their names being uh, so close in pronunciation? Well, actually, they were named, Perry was named after his father. His father's name was oh, Perry. Okay. And um, when, I, when I was pregnant with Paris, we were trying to come up with a P name. He wanted her name to start with a P. So I oh, came up with Paris a couple of days after she was born. When she was born, I did not have a name for her yet. So she mm -hmm. didn't have a name for about two days in the hospital and then... I came up with Paris with Paris. two R's. With two R's, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, very interesting. Okay, Paris and Perry, I love it. Okay, so um, <laughs> um, so you're home, and you said that Paris and Perry very close in age, nineteen months apart. Of course, that's very close. Uh, very, the two of them very close growing up together, hung out together, uh, did a lot together. Well, they hung out um, 
at home a lot. Once it became teenagers, you know how they venture out. Everyone has their own group of friends mm-hmm. at that point. But at home, yes, they, they were pretty close. They were pretty close. Okay, yeah, 19 months. So not even two years different. So they're gonna maybe going to have some mutual friends when they go to school. They're going to be maybe just separated by a grade or two, some, you know, something like that. In contrast, if they were like eight or nine years difference, that would, of course, be a, a much bigger deal. Okay, right. Let's, uh, let's move on to just, uh, like I said, we'll come back to Perry a little bit later, because once again, we just maybe need to talk about this at least a little bit what would happen to him. Let's talk about Paris personality, hobbies, uh, interests, education. Let's talk about your daughter exclusively. Of course, that's why we're here. How would you explain her personality? Right. Outgoing, introverted, extroverted? She a lot like oh, you, was- not like you? How would you? <laughs> what would you say? She was definitely outgoing. Yeah, she was a, a humanitarian. She loved people. She loved helping. Um, she was always down for networking um, as far as getting any kind of um, links to different avenues that she could, you know, help with mm-hmm. people. She was um, just outgoing. She was uh, top, she graduated top 25 in her class um, for high school. Uh, she, like from day one of preschool, I knew that she just, she got it. Anything that was presented to her, she she got it. She was pretty good at um, math. That was probably one of her strongest subjects is math. And then she did, a, she was a very good writer. Also, I love hearing that. Yeah. Would you say yeah. that she was, um, of course, usually math and being creative, maybe, maybe people might see that as like opposite ends of the scale. Um, but was she very creative? You talked about writing. When you say writing, do you mean like uh, fiction writing, like poetry and things? Or what do you mean? Well, she, she would write poetry. Um, later, when, once she became um, older, she started writing um, a few um, songs. So she was oh, very nice. into music. Oh, okay. And um, she uh, she wrote uh, autobiographies for people. Just huh. she's pretty. She's pretty good with writing. She yeah. right off the top of her head, she can come up with something. She was okay. yeah. She did get that from me <laughs> <laughs> okay oh, I, well i love you know um i'm a writer myself I, I write a lot actually for unfound maybe more than ever people would ever realize but i did a lot of writing before i started this podcast too so when i when we have somebody on here a missing person who is creative or you know, especially in the writing i love hearing about that because I, I i personally can certainly relate to that what about um you know other interests was she like you said when she into music um did she play an instrument was she in the band the chorus things like that uh in high school junior high and high school she was in the band she was in the um high school math and tiger swing band um all four years of high school and then um she was in the choir also at the same time she was very busy <laughs> okay. So she did choir and she did band. Right. Mm-hmm. You got to keep the kids and busy, she, uh, keep them out of trouble, right? 
right, Rochelle? Keep them busy. Keep oh, them yeah. Over, right? Yeah. That's what my parents I tried. Do. I tried my best. But yeah. that also kept me busy. Also. Oh, yeah. Yes. Of course. Right. Of course. Okay. Um, you already talked about her education. Um, smart uh, young woman into math, graduating, um, you know, very close to the top of her class. Um, what about higher education after she got out of high school? Did she um, go to college? Where did she go? What, what was her uh, career or what did she study in school? She went to college at Cleveland State University after high school. She majored in um, social work. She got a bachelor's in social work. She um, did a little social work uh, after she graduated, but she didn't quite like it as much as she thought she would. So she she got out for a while and she started doing event planning. Okay. Okay, that's she uh, really, little, she that really is, enjoyed uh, that. Yeah, that's a big extreme going from one you know social work to event planning. That's that's certainly jumping to something. Maybe that's what she needed. Um, so is that what right. she was doing uh, when she went missing? Was that her job at the time uh, at the time of her disappearance, or was it something else? That that wasn't her job at that time. She was doing some work with Nationwide. Um, not sure, just more, um, I believe, like data entry work. Mm -hmm. She was um, previously employed at two other places where she did event planning. Okay. So when you say event planning, you mean like uh, graduation parties, weddings, things like that? Well, her first job was, was with uh, American Legion. Oh. She did uh, event planning for them. Wow, interesting. And then, and then when she left there, she did event planning for. Um, uh, I'm not sure the exact name of the company she worked for, but it was um, Independent Colleges of Ohio. Okay. She did event planning for them also. Okay. Now we should understand that. Um, you just mentioned she went to Maslin High School? Yeah, she went to Maslin High School. Okay. But at the time that, of course, at the time of disappearance, we know she disappeared in Maslin, but she, you and she were living where? In Columbus? In Columbus, yes. Okay. How did it come about that uh, maybe you were in Maslin too, maybe you both moved together? How did it come to be that you were in Maslin and then ended up down in Columbus? What, what, when did that go on and how did that happen? Well, I moved to Columbus in 2016. At that time, Paris was still in Cleveland. Oh. Um, I moved. I just wanted to change. So I just changed locations. I got employment there. I was um, living with some friends that were also from Maslin, but had been there for a few years prior to me moving down. And um, Paris in 17, after Perry's accident, mm -hmm. her brother, yeah. because he was uh, trans, uh, he was uh, transmitted what not trans transferred he was transferred sorry yes it went can yeah transferred can you hear me yep keep going sure 
Yeah, he was transferred there to an uh, skilled hospital after he left Altman Hospital mm. in Canton. Okay. All right, but at some point she felt the desire to move back in with you in Columbus. Yes. Okay. And did she, so then she got uh, a new, I guess another job there? Yes, that's um, her first job there was at the American Legion as an event planner. Okay. How did you, how did you feel about her moving back in, uh, being that you were living in Maslin, she's living in Cleveland, you're two separated. How did you feel about her moving back in with you? Positive? Oh, I, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I had no problem with that. Yeah, it's always been team us. That's what we say. It's always team us. (laughs) <laughs> okay. All right. And we will get into Perry's accident, as I've already stated a couple times here in a little bit. All right. So you're, uh, when did when did she uh, actually move back in? When did she move down to Columbus? You can just maybe, if you can approximate a month and year. Um, around, I would say that was in um, August, maybe August 2017. Okay. And one more thing, maybe, uh, of course, we're going to talk about this one guy in particular here in a bit, but what would you say relationships? Any uh, steady boyfriends? She playing the field? She just focused on her career? How would you explain Paris and her attitude toward, uh, what, uh, you know, uh, men, women, uh, relationships at that time of her life in her 20s? Well, at that time when um, she moved to Columbus, she wasn't in any uh, relationships with anyone Mm -hmm. she was just kind of just doing her doing whatever you know okay that time it was just we were still so shocked um because of perry's accident you know only being a couple months prior so she was we were focusing on him a lot yeah Okay. That's totally understandable. Okay. All right. Let's, um, now we've got a good firm, uh, grasp on a little bit of the timeline. We've gotten to know, uh, Paris, uh, a little bit, uh, with the, her education, her work, her personality, uh, some of her interests. Let's move on to these things. Uh, just some of these things very, uh, cause I think that they're all very important, uh, to, I think further understanding, uh, what happened. And of course, Paris herself. What is, uh, being that this disappearance of all times uh, occurred on Christmas Day, um, what is the usual, what do your, what does your family usually do for Christmas? Of course, now you're in Columbus, maybe you're, you're of course, we're going to learn that your parents are in Massillon, uh, kind of separated. What is usually a tradition for your family when it comes to Christmas? At Christmas, um, our family, we usually meet at my mom and dad's house. That's our normal. We are. I'm. Um, I am the youngest of uh, four siblings. I have three siblings. It's four of us total. So I'm the youngest. We always. We always go home for Christmas. Okay. All right. And so you all show up at, in Massillon, Ohio, and your other siblings, and if maybe if they have children, they're there too. Right. Okay. Um, and you maybe stay for a couple days or, or whatever your, I guess, work will allow. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Very good. 
Next, I uh, need to talk about this. Um, maybe something that you know might give us a look into maybe understanding this disappearance a little bit better. Uh, you've told me, and I know you've, and I have watched this interview that you did for Discovery as well, and I, I would urge people out there to watch it as well. Um, I think you can watch it if you don't want to pay for it on Amazon Prime or whatever. You can get seven-day trial for free if that's what you want to do. That's what I did. But um, Paris suffering from some sleeplessness in the days and weeks leading up to her disappearance. Um, did you try to talk to her about it? How did you know that this was going on? What can you say about it? Well, at first she was just kind of not sleeping. She was up at night. I noticed she was just up at night pacing. Sometimes she'll just make her a cup of tea to see if she, it could relax her. Mm -hmm. She, it just seemed like she had a lot on her mind. Mm-hmm. Do you think that I it had any... She did not talk about it much. She, I could just tell. And I would always, huh? Please, please continue, please. Okay, I could just tell that something was going on. She was, was in thought about something. So I always would tell her, you know, whatever it is, you know, you have to pray about it. Everything will be okay. She... she I don't know. She just didn't talk much to me about, you know, what was keeping her up at night. Okay. But you would say this is something that was unusual for, for her. She was usually not a night owl. She usually slept fairly well. Oh, yeah. She did. She usually slept fairly well. She had no problems with um, sleeping. Okay. No. Did you, uh, of course, once again, she never mentions ex uh, explicitly what it was. No. Okay. No. Um, she, not the word. She made. Please. She had made um, some comments to me about, you, um, Mom, you know, if I have to leave for a little while, you can stay here. You can stay here in the apartment. She she made she made a comment like that to me. Um, November around November it was around Thanksgiving time, two thousand nineteen. Um, okay. I asked her. I said, "Well, where are you going?" You know, and she was like, "I was oh. just saying, you know, if you if I needed to go somewhere for a while, that you could stay here." Do you think uh, the way you remember it? Of course, we have to realize this disappearance. At least, once again, in Unfound's world, I know it's it's been horrible for you ever since this happened. But the, the listeners know that the average age of a disappearance we cover on Unfound is usually like twenty years old. So this in our world, it's kind of very new. But the way you remember this, and it's not even three years yet. Would you say that this comment, and we're going to talk about this comment a little bit more, but this comment and the sleeplessness, would you say that they happened around the same time? Yes, they did. They did. Okay. So we don't know if it could have been over uh, her work, could have been over, um, you know, a guy or some relationship that maybe you didn't know about. We're, it's still very up in the air all this time later. We're still not sure what all of this is about. Right. Right. Okay. And I'm not here to get into her deep medical history, but could have been that, you know, of course, some medications can make people, you know, have trouble sleeping. 
any possibility of something like that? No, she wasn't on any medications that would um, cause her not to be tired. No. Okay. All right. Thank you. Let's move on to this. And we're going to just uh, talk about him in general terms right now. Who is, uh, how did Paris know him? Did they go to high school together? Did they have a uh, job together? Did they just meet online? What do you know about how Paris were friends? Well, she uh, met on Easter of, I want to say it was 2018. Okay. I was actually trying to think when it was. I didn't, I can't remember if it was 18 or 19, but it was definitely Easter. She met him at a friend's house that we visited on Easter Sunday in Wooster. He was a student at the College of Wooster. And she just, he came over because he was, um, he was friends of friends that we were visiting. He came over and they kind of just clicked, start talking. Yeah, but you know, I guess just conversation. Mm -hmm. And then they just realized they had some of the same interests and they were both pretty good students and smart. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Um... Did he, after this time at this Easter, and I can understand, we don't know, it's 2019, which would make this like six or eight months before she went missing, or it was 2018, right. so that would be a year and six to eight months before she went missing. Uh, any idea after that particular Easter, how many times they actually saw each other in person? Being that you two were living together, did he ever come down and visit while, you know, at your place there in Columbus? Or did she go visit him? Can you even begin to guess how well, how often these two saw actually in person over that time? Oh, they probably um, saw each other. I'm going to say once a week, wow. maybe twice a week. Um, she would travel to see him. I oh. um, He's never been to our place down in Columbus now. Okay. All right. So she, your understanding, so... She would uh, drive, I guess, up to see him. And so he's at Worcester, um, which is, there's a school there. And I've actually been there years and years ago. I've been on that campus years and years and years ago. But how far is Worcester from Columbus? I believe about an hour and a half. Okay. All right. Would you say, in your opinion, as her mother, would you say that they were boyfriend and girlfriend? No, I wouldn't say they were boyfriend and girlfriend. I would say that they were, they probably liked each other a, a whole lot. Mm -hmm. But as far as um, giving it that boyfriend, girlfriend title, no, I don't. Okay. I don't think so. All right. She never, and you, once again, being that you two were living together, she never referred to him as my boyfriend. No. Okay. Very good. Um, what did you, um, so you, I guess then you weren't around very much. What did you think of, um, just, um, you know, how did you think over that time, the, the impression that you got, how do you think that he treated your daughter, Paris? Well, I was around him a couple of times and, um, I, I like, he's a nice kid. 
um, very respectable. Very, he has, he had respect for me every single time I was around him. Smart. Um, he would, he's pretty intellectual, intellectual. Oh, I can't even say the word. That's all right. Uh, he's, a, he's an intellectual. That's fine. You're allowed. Uh, I'll help you with yeah. that. So he's like an intellectual type. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, he was, um, he was a good kid. Him and Paris seemed to get along just fine every time I was around them together. Mm -hmm. Just kind of, you know, laughing and just talking. Okay, very good. All right, we will uh, come back to him uh, a little bit later because, uh, of course, the listeners and viewers already know, well, there's a reason we brought him up and we'll get into that later. And once again, we're not saying anything to do with it. Just there's a little bit of a, a, a very seemingly a coincidence that goes on with this uh, that we'll talk about later. Uh, let's now move on to this. And once again, I, I don't know how much we want to get into this, even though this seems to be something that is also unsolved as well. And, and I know this is uh, also another very painful top topic for you, Rochelle, but um, just very quickly, because this is going to come up later again, let's just talk about your son's car wreck and, you know, a bit of the mystery that surrounds it. When did it happen? And maybe most importantly, how did Paris react to it? What what can we say about this? And then we can move on. Okay. Well, Perry's um, accident was June 16th. Uh, it occurred in Stark County, Madison, Ohio. At that time, I was in Columbus and Paris was in Canton, Ohio, which is about 10 minutes away from Madison. Okay. Um, I got a call. All about 7 a.m. that morning that she had a officer uh, come to her house and say that Perry was involved in the, his car was involved in the accident and he ran from the scene. So when my mom called me with that news, the first thing that I said is, no, he didn't run. Why would Perry run? Who was with him? And um, my mom, she just said, I don't know. They just called and said that Perry ran from the scene of an accident, that his car was involved in. So um, with me not even believing that Perry would do something like that, yes. um, I uh, immediately called his father, which, which he lives in Canton, Ohio, and that's where Paris was living at the time with her father. Okay. So I called and I didn't get an answer. Um, so then I called my mom back and I asked my mom, did they, you know, what else did the police say if they said anything else? And she said, well, they said they had to take someone to the hospital. And I said, well, who, who did they take to the hospital? And she said, they didn't tell me. So I started calling the local hospitals in um, Stark County, which and um, which at that time we only had two, we only have two. So um, I called and um, they told me that they did have um, a, a three males coming to the hospital that were involved in a car accident. I asked them if um, one was Perry Hobson. At that time, they did not know. So I um, told them to look for a tattoo 
that he has on his um, chest and they saw the tattoo and said, yes, that's him. And I told them his full name, date of birth. And I um, also let them know that his um, father and his sister is close in Stark County. I was in Columbus and I was gonna call them and let them know to um, head to the hospital. Okay. So, and then I made another call to his dad, still didn't get an answer, didn't get an answer from Paris. I actually called um, their dad's sister and she finally got in contact with them. And so when they called me back, I let them know um, that Perry was at the hospital and they told me they were heading up. At that time, I was um, getting, getting myself together, getting ready to drive two hours to come up to and so i guess what we're saying here is uh perry suffered some very uh severe injuries uh in which he needed constant medical care after this yes yes um after his he never he never could speak to me i could never ask him what happened because he was unable to respond at that time he was so it was he was he he couldn't tell he couldn't talk to you. So I guess what we're saying here is here in 2022, and we're doing this interview on September 11th, 2022, is that the, all these years later, it is believed that he was not driving his own car at the time. There was somebody else in the car with him who actually ran from the scene. That was um, what a witness um, told the police. Yes, mm -hmm. that they saw uh someone running from the scene okay and once again if you could just remind the, the listeners and viewers when did this happen june 16th of 2017. okay so over two years before mm -hmm. paris went missing and we're not yeah. going to get into who you suspect but in your opinion when the police of course we have of course we have car wrecks we have insurance companies and all these things uh, do the police also believe that somebody else was in the car when this wreck happened? Well, yeah, they um, they didn't tell me that they thought any different. I believe they were actually mm -hmm. going by what the witness saw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess what I'm saying is in the, you know, usually they do like crash recreation and things. Um, was it determined that there was somebody you, you know in the driver's seat usually you know sometimes they can determine that um that was never told to me um there was another car involved in the accident that had two other young men that had you know two young men in it and they also said that they saw someone run okay okay very good so we have these witnesses saying somebody got out of the car left perry there and this person, of course, if they're in the car with Perry, this would have to be somebody who knew Perry fairly well. And once again, we're not going to get into who that might have been. That's really not. But, the, you know, that's not why we're here today. Uh, but would you say that over the next over, over two plus years mm -hmm. that Paris was trying to find out who this other person was? Yes. Well, at first, we both immediately were trying to find out. But yeah. once um, I found once I found out the severity of Perry's condition, um, I kind of backed off on trying to find out 
cool driving the car and focus more on his care thing. Yeah. She said, Okay, mom, I'm I'll back off a little bit, but mm-hmm. I, I want I really want to know who this is. I want you know, she was drilling every single person that she knew that was close to Perry. She wanted to know. Right. You know, what anyone knew. So um yeah, she okay. she was it, pretty focused is, on it. And that happened in Massillon, Ohio. Yes. All right. Yes. And she disappeared from Massillon, Ohio. Yes. Okay. All right. So this is still a mystery. We have this um person out there who uh people saw run away from this crash. Uh, in which Perry was severely injured. And in fact, he has passed away. Uh, Rochelle has passed away. Yes. Yes, he passed away uh, April 13th of 2018. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Let's move on to this once again before we get into that uh, this trip and the day of the disappearance, which is December 25th, 2019. Once again, I just have to ask these questions. Being that you were living with your daughter, any addictions, any vices? Had she ever shown any signs of any mental illness or anything like that? Once again, you were two were living together. Any of those things? Um, no, not, no. No mental illness, no um, living her life. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. life just those little obstacles, maybe problems at, at work sometimes, or, you know, ins and outs, things weren't going well. And, you know, but nothing, nothing major, nothing too major. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Let's move on to uh, this trip. Of course, you and, and uh, Paris are living in Columbus. You're going to go to Maslin, mm-hmm. Ohio um for christmas as we've we've already talked about what were the actual plans of course if paris doesn't go missing what were the plans supposed to be for uh you know a day two days three days what was the plan supposed to be for you two well um we traveled to uh stark county on christmas eve our plan for that that night was to stay at a friend's house in Canton, which we did. Um, and then on Christmas um, afternoon, we were going to go to my parents' house and just spend the day there. Anything after that, we really didn't have planned. Just as long as we got, got to my parents' house on Christmas. That was, that was our main thing. Um, days after, we really didn't plan. And um, we actually one about i'll say about between 12 30 and 1 p.m that's when we left and we went the night before christmas on christmas eve she didn't sleep very well that night either i'm not sure walking around and she was um kind of in and out the house because she smoked cigarettes so she was in and out um having a cigarette i know she wasn't sleeping very well that night either all right, I guess what I'm asking is where you left your place uh, in Columbus on December 24th, were you going to come back to Columbus on the 26th, the 27th? What were the plans? Oh, you know what? I have, I can't even remember what day did Christmas fall on that year. Um, it really, I don't think we had plans to come back the very next day. No, okay. I don't know. Oh. So I it very well could have been. Remember. 
It could have been that you stayed at your parents until the 27th, maybe. Right, right, right. Okay. All right, so leave on the 24th. Get up to your parents the next day after staying at the friends, and you might have been there a couple of days, which a lot of people do. That would not be strange. Okay. Uh, on this trip, while you two were in the car, um, I kind of just made a little bit of that trip. I went right through Columbus uh, back in uh, July uh, when I was going through Ohio, headed up mm -hmm. to the Youngstown area because it's where my sister lives. But on this trip, going to Canton and from Canton to Maslin, did Paris talk to anybody on the phone? Did she text anybody, communicate with anybody? Uh, did she tell, for example, did she have any friends in Massillon who she might have wanted to get together with to see while she was there? Did she do anything of any of that? I don't recall her um, talking on the phone. She actually might have got a few minutes of sleep while she was in the car. I remember her... Um, kind of taking a little nap. Um, as always, we play music in the car. We might have um, sang a few songs, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. um, I don't remember uh, her being on the phone with anyone else, no. Okay. I don't remember her talking to Okay, anyone. so nothing, I guess what we're saying here is nothing in that trip really stood out to you. If she did talk to somebody, it, it just was not a conversation that really stuck out to you. Right, right. All right, like, for example, if she was arguing with somebody, not, nothing like that, you know, of course that would stick out. Nothing like that sticks out. No. Okay. Definitely not. Okay. So you get there on the 25th. Uh, of course, it's Christmas Day. You two get there and describe what happens. When I got there, um, me and Paris went inside. Um of course, you know, spoke with my parents a little bit and probably was there about 15 minutes before I decided to go get a shower and um, get ready for the day. Um, I probably spent about 15 to 20 minutes in the shower. And once I got out, I, we had um, already started having some guests over and a childhood friend of mine, her um, children, they were there. So we uh, took a few pictures um, on the inside of the house. Um, I noticed while we were taking pictures, Paris was um, outside of the house. And she was kind of, you know, pacing the yard, walking back and forth. Um, and once we got outside, she was standing at the end of the yard, just kind of standing there. She had her purse in her hand. And um, me and my friend, we we stopped and talked to her, you know, asking her how she was doing and what's going on. And she was like, um, nothing, nothing really. And she, um, I said, well, where are you going? And she said, well, I'm just gonna take a walk. Um, I'll probably just go to the park. And, um, I told her, I said, well, Paris, you know, if you seem like you just got something on your mind, whatever it is, don't worry about it. Just pray about it. You know, everything will be okay. And she said, oh yeah, okay. And she took off walking, and we watched her walk down the street. We were not that far behind her, but we were only walking to a house that was um, across the street from mm -hmm. my parents' house. We were walking there to visit um, another neighbor. And um, she continued to walk down the street to the park and... Um, I watched her walk down there until I couldn't see her anymore. And then I 
I haven't seen her since. Okay, and what uh, she was walking toward a park. What what street is this on, and what street would she was she headed toward? Um, she was headed towards Third Street. That is where uh, Shriver Park is located on Third Street. Okay, very good. My we parents just... live on Shriver, but the park mm -hmm. is Shriver Park, but it's located on Third. Okay. Now we have to understand something. Uh, this is Ohio. This isn't Florida. It's December. Uh, she's standing outside pacing in Ohio December weather. It was uh, actually a beautiful Christmas it was. day. It was. Uh, yes, it was. I remember the sun shining. It wasn't a very bad day to take a walk. We had no snow. Okay. We had no snow on that All day. Right. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that up <laughs> or clarifying that. Now, we should mention something, though. When did you find out that while you were in the shower that she took, is it her car or your car, she took the car somewhere while you were in the shower? When did you find this out? I found that out after she had uh, went missing. Um, mm -hmm. My dad, he told me that, um, he said, well, I don't know. I, she didn't really tell me where, she didn't tell me where she went, but while you were in the shower, she had left. And she probably was gone about ten minutes, and then she came right back. And she had she had left in the car and came right back. He didn't know where she went. Just didn't say where she was going. Nothing. No. Just kind of took off. Kind of like when she walked away. She also took the car without letting anybody know. Yeah, I mean it was her car, so. I got, uh, I got you, but we, once again, we have to remember this is Christmas day, you know, right? <laughs> you know, I, I guess we just, once again, we have to look at these things and disappearances for people's actions and I try to see, you know, try to determine what, what was the person thinking. So you're in the shower. So what you're saying is you didn't even realize that she, she left and came back and you were not even aware of it. Right. Okay. Right. All right. And so then later um she's outside you go talk to her and you kind of uh you're with uh someone she's by herself she's walking out ahead of you she walks down to this park and you go to this house and like you said this is the last time you saw her mm -hmm. okay and did she ever say she was going to the park did she ever say she was just going to take a walk around the block Anything? What you know? What were your what was your impression about how soon she was going to be coming back? She just said, "I'm just gonna walk down to the park." Okay. Nothing more than that. Um, the park wasn't very far. Yeah, from right the there. house. Yes. Yeah. It, so I didn't expect her to stay very long. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know unless she, I don't know how long she wanted to sit in the park if she was going to sit down there alone you know yeah and uh, yeah it was just it was kind of strange to me that she was even walking she usually doesn't walk very much okay all right so she walks uh down there of course uh you never see again nobody else in your family seen her see uh never seen her again we are going to talk about this witness though a little bit later uh how long did it take you and your family to figure out that something wasn't right was it did it take an hour a half hour how long would you say it took before you started thinking you know what why isn't she back yet i i'm gonna say about a half hour 
after uh, she left, I had already been down at the neighbor's house, I would say about a half hour. I did send her a text and I asked her if she was okay. And she didn't respond to the text. Hmm. Um, probably about 10 minutes after that text, I uh, walked up to the car and I realized that she had left her phone in the car. So that mm. kind of explained why she didn't respond. And then at that time, I my cousin was sitting on the porch and I asked him, did she come back? And he told me, no, I haven't seen her. She hasn't came back yet. And then at that literally when i went into where is she right kind of a panic mode <laughs> so. of course of course now just some questions did you get i mean did for example this was her car did she leave the keys to her car there yes she did leave the keys okay did you or mm -hmm. or maybe your your parents or somebody else of course you're you have a bunch of people there for christmas did you go riding around trying to find her right at that moment? I did. I did go ride around trying to find her at that moment. I actually just kind of just rode uh, around the park. I rode mm -hmm. the streets around the park. Um, I didn't see her walking or sitting anywhere. So um, I had called um, a close friend of both of us, both of ours, it was a young man. And I asked him, did he happen to hear from her? And he said no. And I said, well, she left. She left walking. I don't know where she is. She has not come back yet. She left her phone. I explained that to him. And he said, come pick me up so we can go find her. So we went to go look. And we still, we rode around a little bit on the southeast side. Still didn't see her anywhere. And then I just drove straight to the police department. Okay. Did for uh, this is just an example, and I realize this is not yesterday that this happened. But when you went mm -hmm. down to the park that day, and of course it's still daylight out, was anybody there who could have maybe even seen her walking by that area? Was anybody even there to have seen her? No, I didn't see anyone there at that time. No. All right. So not even any uh, witnesses. Although we will talk about one here in a minute. Um, so you go to the police, and of course uh, she is an adult. Uh, so what what do they say to you? Oh, they they um I explained to them. Um, first thing they said they asked is if she had any um health mental health issues, mm -hmm. and I told them no. And they explained to me that because she is an adult, that um adults can they can leave at any time they want to. They don't owe anyone any explanation. So um. I, and I totally understood that. I just let them know that that was just very unusual for my daughter, for yeah. Paris, to do that, you know? Yeah. And um, he did um, ask for um, a description. I gave him, you know, basic information, her name, age, date of birth, um, what she had on. And um, basically, it was just left at that. And um, so then after that, I left. and. I mean, I went a whole night, still no Paris, did not, didn't have any clue where she was. I remember putting a 
Facebook post on and I said, if anybody's seen Paris Hobson, let me know. Um, and then um, the next day, still no, no sign of her. And um, I, uh, call, I, was call, I called one of my friends and she was like, well, call the police again. You know, see what they, what they say today. Yeah. Tell them, you know, still no Paris. So I called them, and and um, at that time I was um, sitting in the park. I was in my car in the park, and the police officer met me there at the park. And um, I told him, I said, um, my daughter is still missing. I'm concerned about her safety. I don't know where she went. You know, left her car, her ID, her phone. And um, I don't know, at that time, the officer, he said, okay, I'm going to take this report and then I'm going to put her on the National Missing Persons Registry. And um, that's... Okay. That's what, were the con <laughs> what were the, of course, you're there, your parents are there, some of your other family members there, and it seems like maybe friends, neighbors, maybe they all know that this is going on. Uh, what are some of the comments that are being made? Some of the insight. What is um, maybe the the idea? You know, the, the the choices the people were coming up with as to why Paris left and never came back. What was coming to mind at that time? Um, at that time, everybody I think was kind of in shock. Wasn't really. We were just trying to decide, trying to figure out like where could she at when? Is there anybody that was close? That to us that she would have walked to. I mean, just kind of trying to brainstorm because it threw a lot of us off that we couldn't just call her, yeah. you know, because she didn't have her phone right. with her. Right. So that was a, that right there just threw everybody for a loop because we just couldn't understand why she would leave without her phone. She always had that phone yeah. with her. You know, so right. it was, yeah, but at okay. that time, I don't remember, recall anyone really um, saying much about, you know, well, she said, she told us she was going to go here or there, and we didn't, no one had a clue why she didn't return. Okay. So what did, what, what did she take with her? What have you been able to determine? What did she take with her? Of course, we know the clothes on her back, her shoes, but we know her phone was left behind. Do you have any records of anything else that she might have taken with her? Of course, you've already talked about she was a smoker. Did she take her cigarettes or did she leave them there? Uh, okay, well, she did. There was a pack of cigarettes that had about two cigarettes in it that was left there. Um, her purse, I know she had her purse. The contents that was in her purse, I have no idea. Um, she left her phone, her driver's license, and she left one of her bank cards that I know that she had, you know, I know it was an active bank card. Um, her wallet wasn't left behind, so that must have been in the purse also. But okay. other than that, um, all right, yeah, so she whatever took her she had, whatever she had, she whatever she had on her, it was in her purse or on her person because 
everything else that I that the things that I noticed that she would have took, like her ID and her phone, were left behind. Do you once again, given that you, you know, I don't know, I don't, I haven't lived with my dad for a long, 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 long time. But being that you two live together, are you surprised that the wall, the like the um the ID, driver's license, I guess, and her card were separate from her purse? Because my impression as a guy is women usually carry those things in her purse. What is your opinion on that? It is. It is kind of odd to me. Now, usually she has all those things in her wallet. Yeah. But they weren't in her wallet. They were just kind of sitting in the middle console of the car. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, okay. Thank you. Uh, that's going to be something we have to think about. You know, is it a coincidence that those things were separated from each other on the day that you went missing, or was there some other reason? Was it on purpose? Okay. So any sort, of course, um, you know, we might think abduction, maybe she went down to the park and somebody came along, but you know, um, what about any searches done? You know, once you started maybe getting a little more organized, of course, you're all in shock, but we get to December 26th, we get to the 27th, your 28th, what kind of searches are done and what kind of, um, things like that. And then we'll get into some of these details a little more. Uh, a little more deeply, but what about any searches uh, done at that time? Well, um, one of the um, one of um, the citizens of Mathlin, he wanted to do a search, so he contacted one of my nieces and um, said that he knew some people who had trained search dogs that they wanted to, you know, um, get together and start at the park and do some searching around um just different sides of masculine so i agree i agree to that and um got together with them probably about um i'm gonna guess about uh maybe 40 to 50 citizens in masculine um all met at the park one day and um the people who had the search dogs um they came out explained to us basically what you know what's going to happen. The dogs are going to, um, I had a few items that belong to Paris for the dogs to, um, smell and, um, they wanted us to just kind of, um, split up in different groups and tell which side of town we were going on. We were kind of keeping in close range to, you know, the park, but we were branching out like a little bit farther. Um, and um so we we did that um close to the end of the search uh the um i'm really not sure how at this time how the police department got wind of the search but um they um called me and asked um me if i if they if i mind if they bring their dogs out to search so they wanted they basically um interrupted our personal search that we had going on, told us to stop the search and they brought their own um, dogs in and officers and they did a search also. And I believe they were kind of going by um, where the other dogs were making some hits, which would, you know, was, Mm -hmm. I mean, one, a few dogs, they were kind of all over the place. I believe there was like three dogs. 
I know yeah. one dog was he he was closer heading towards um Erie Street. Um the cemetery is off of Erie Street. Um one dog went that way, and one dog had kind of um stopped at the corner of Erie Street and I want to say Pearl Avenue. Um I can't remember um the other dog what he, where he went. So they were kind of once those dogs were gotten those areas, they kind of focused on Erie Street a lot. So I do know at one point the search was at the cemetery. They were doing the search. There was a lot of um uh wooded area up that way that they were kind of taking the dogs in there and searching a little bit. So I don't know. Nothing came up, of course. But. Yeah. Now, was it during these searches that this witness came forward, said that he or she saw um, Paris like standing on a corner at the park? When did this come up? Um, that I believe that came up um, maybe a couple of days before the search. Um, the friend that um, came over with her kids, her uncle actually was one of the I believe it was, yeah, her uncle was actually one of the people who saw Paris. He said that he saw her standing on the corner of 3rd and Johnson. She was just kind of standing there and looking up and down the road like she was. He said like she was waiting for someone. Huh. He said she kind of just was like standing there looking up and down the road. He waved to her. She waved back. And that's kind of all that happened. Okay. But he did say he saw her standing there and she was okay. just looking up and down the street. Okay. All right. Listeners and viewers can uh, judge that for themselves. Okay. So we have these searches. Uh, the listeners know how I feel about dogs. Uh, I don't find them to be very reliable. We don't know what's in the dog's <laughs> heads and everything else. And uh, we only at least, you know, even though she's walking in this, you know, this suburb area, houses very close to each other, populated area, it seems that we only have really have one person who saw her after she went out of eyesight for you and whoever else was with you that day. All right. Right. Let's move on to this. Now, um, let's talk about this phone. Of course, it was left behind. Did you have a chance to take a look at it? Did she ever, did she call or text anybody that day? Um, anything on the phone, anything strange at all? Um, of course, these days people can access their emails and social media on their phones. Anything looking through uh, the phone, anything uh, that popped out as a piece of interest? Um, the only, um, the only um, thing that I saw was a text message on the phone. Um, she did send a text message to um, a pastor that she knew, and she asked if there was going to be any services um, that day. Um, huh. I and um, she didn't get. She didn't have a whole lot of outgoing messages other than that. I didn't see anything else. I don't recall seeing anything else. Um, no phone calls. No. Okay. Uh, this this yeah. church. Uh, close to where you were at your parents or not? 
I believe the church would have been in Canton. Oh, okay. So that was probably, yeah, like I said, about 10, 15 minutes away. Okay. Did this pastor ever get back to her? Yes, she had texted her and said mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's, so once again, we have to remember that uh, she went out in this car and we'll get to that in a moment, but she goes out mm -hmm. in her car, went somewhere for maybe 10 minutes, comes back. But as far as you could tell during those 10 minutes, she didn't call or text anybody. No. Okay. On her phone, of course, we do a lot of searching. In fact, you're using your phone for this zoom interview and you know how much our phones, how versatile they are. Have you mm -hmm. ever found anything? Uh, any Google searches that she ever did on her phone or on your computer at home or whatever, having anything to do with disappearing or, um, no, I'll just ask, say it, suicide or anything like that. Any unusual searches that she did on the days leading up to her disappearance? I did not notice anything. Um, I had her phone for up until the next day of her disappearance. And then after that, I did turn it over to um, the Athlon um, Police Department. I didn't see anything. I'm um, not aware if they saw anything like that on her Google searches. Um, they didn't share that with me if they did. Um, a few things that they did see that I didn't see. Um, I don't know how I missed it. They just said they did see a few text messages between her and um a guy um but they couldn't trace them because the guy was using a text app number okay how how close to her disappearance was this going on uh you know what they didn't inform me how close they didn't they didn't let me know they just said it was some text messages that they saw um some pictures taken and sent Huh. So, okay, so we don't know this. It uh, seems like she was texting with somebody, but the number's not on there. It was a number, but the number wasn't traceable because of it being a text app number. Not sure if you're familiar with how a text app number works, mm -hmm. but you can just randomly get on the app. They'll give you a phone number and you can make calls using that number. And at any time, you can just throw the number away okay now this is something if anybody's going to watch the discovery interview that you did i do have to ask you and of course uh because this is brought up i'm going to only ask you this because it was brought up is there any proof that paris had a burner phone no proof at all okay all right because as you know there is an investigator a private investigator somebody who's not affiliated with the police department that brought that mm -hmm. up Okay. Yeah. But yeah. you you never heard you never saw anything like that. You never heard anything like that. You never saw her paying. You never saw another phone living uh lying around, anything like that, even though you two lived together. No, I did not. I did not. And yes, that was brought up. Um, is there a possibility she would have had another phone mm -hmm. so she could have communication with in with someone if she wanted to. I and I did not know of any other phone. Okay, very good. Now, being that you two lived together, um, did you have access to Paris's banking, checking account, or anything like that? Yes, I did. 
All right. Yeah. And after her disappearance or even before her disappearance, any weird charges, anything that on there that you could not explain? None that um none that I saw before or after her disappearance. No. Okay. For and maybe I'll ask you this. Anything like she took out an unusual amount of cash? No, I didn't see that. Okay. Let's move on to this. Now, of course, this day you said it was a beautiful Ohio day, uh, no snow that day. So are you saying when you say a beautiful day in Ohio in December, are you saying that it was like maybe 50 degrees? Um, yeah, we'll say around 50, 60. It was exceptionally nice for um, Ohio weather in December. Okay. In your opinion, how was she dressed? Was she dressed appropriately for those conditions? Would you say that she was warm enough, whatever she was wearing, to walk away that day? Yes, I do. Um, because she had a coat. She was wearing a coat, um, jeans, boots, um, and the top. I remember everything she had on because everything she had on was belonged to me except for her coat. <laughs> Okay. okay very good okay yeah so sure. she's she's dressed appropriately for the weather but like you said it was maybe unseasonably warm even though that doesn't mean it was actually warm uh mm -hmm. so no need no need to worry about her walking off and you know getting cold and maybe suffering from hypothermia or something like that which is a topic that we have discussed on some other disappearances uh when right. disappearances have happened during colder times of the year Okay. Now we talked about this car trip, uh, being that you didn't know about it until your father told you about it some days later. Have you been ever, ever able to determine where she went that day? Of course, like he said, it was only like 10 minutes. So five minutes, one way, five minutes back, ever been able to determine where she went? No, not at all. There's only, I mean, on Christmas, there's only a few places that um, would be open. Mm -hmm. uh that day um i know we have a local drive through that's probably about i don't know three minutes away from um the house that um would be open on christmas and then um gas station which would be a little farther out than that mm -hmm. but those are the only two places that i could think of you know everything is usually closed on christmas yeah, it is, right? Grocery stores, maybe 7-Elevens, they're open. Right, Some convenience right. stores, but yeah, grocery stores are usually closed and all those things. Okay, so we still don't know. It was a very short drive. It's her car. She left the keys behind. Of course, she left more than that behind. Um, but nothing in the car, I guess, after the fact that showed you where she could have gone. For example, sometimes when you get a bag from a place, it has like the logo on it. Nothing like that. Mm -hmm. No, um, nothing at all. I I looked over everything, tried to, you know, okay. see if I could find any kind of clues or anything. I mean, from her phone to just looking at items that left behind, I personally couldn't come up with anything. Okay. Maybe I'll ask you this before we go any further. Being the, of course, I even know for myself, I'm 52 years old. But, you know, I tell my friends and maybe my assistants uh, that helped me with Unfound a lot more than I would ever tell, for example, my, my dad. Um, what did some of Paris's friends have to say about 
uh, her disappearance. Maybe if you told him, you know, she was, he wasn't sleeping very well. Have any of them, and I don't mean we're going to get to him again here shortly, but maybe her female friends, any of them ever able to offer any insight into the things that were going on with her before she disappeared? Anything that they said that caught your ear? Um, no, not nothing that really stands out. I know that, um, she didn't, she didn't, um, bit to a lot of her friends. Um, I know, um, one friend in particular, she, she said that she talked to her about before she would talk about him and how she, you know, met this guy, was friends with this guy that they really clicked and she really liked them. And I mean, I remember her using the statement like, oh, I think he's my soulmate. I think I found one of my soulmates. Um, other than that, no, she didn't. I none of her friends really um, knew anything, you know, like that she spoke on to them about that would be odd or anything in particular. Okay. Now you mentioned this uh, comment very early on, early on in this interview that we're doing on September 11th of 2022. This. Uh, she said something to you to the effect of, Mom, if I leave for a while, you, you know, you can stay in this apartment. Uh, did that was, of course, it came out of the blue, but, um, you know, once again, when was that said? And that was, please, what can you say about it? That was around November of 2019. I do remember it had to be around, it was definitely around Thanksgiving because I, at that time I was baking pies. So I remember the pies cooling. Um, I was sitting at the table, Pierce was actually sitting on the floor and then a friend of mine was also there. And she said that, you know, mom, if I ever have to leave for a while, you know, you can keep this place, stay at this place. And I said, well, where do you think you're going? You know, you ain't, we haven't talked about you going anywhere. She was like, yeah, well, I'm just saying, if I did have to leave for a while, you can stay here. So hmm. that's about, we didn't get into too much of after that about that statement. Um, I wish I would have now. Oh, of course. But like you said, it's completely out of the blue. Right. Okay. All right. Let's move on to this. And this is uh, listeners and viewers should know that this is a conversation that, uh, that uh, Rochelle and I had shortly before we started this interview, because this is something that uh, comes up once again in the uh, discovery episode. And, and it should be known that this discovery episode actually is split up into two parts. There's another case before it and then they talk about paris in the second half um this lawyer email how did you find out about it and it had something to do she actually paris actually was asking a lawyer about being blackmailed how did you find out about this um let's first talk about that uh when did this come up um it was probably about um I'm going to say about three or four days after um, Paris went missing, I was speaking with officers at my parents' home at that time. Her aunt sent me a 
email. She sent me a text and the text said, I'm sending you an email that I need you to look at. Once I got the email, I read it and the email was from Paris to one of her friend attorneys. And it said, I am a victim of a narcissistic relationship and he is trying to blackmail me. That's all the email said. Nothing else was said. I didn't, that email was forwarded to me. And at that time, I forwarded it to the Maslin Police Department. I didn't get to see any responses from the email or anything like that. I just saw that email that she sent. How did, how did, how, so this aunt, this is your sister? No, it's on her father's side. All right, so is this her father's sister? Uh, her father's aunt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, her father's aunt. So okay. it would be a, yeah, so it would be a great aunt. Yeah. All right, so I got to ask, how was she the one to get the hands her hands on this email? I was not sure. I believe that she's also good friends with the attorney. Mm. And when he learned that Paris was missing, that he just sent her that email like, hey, she sent me this. And when, uh, once again, when was this email, when was this email exchange, when did this happen? I'm not sure of the date that Paris sent him the email. Okay. That I do not remember. I'm not even sure if I even looked at the date. I just was reading the contents of the email. And at that time, I was still, I don't know, my mind was still in the fog. And okay. the, I had an officer right there beside me. I told him that I received it. He looked at it and he gave me an email address to forward it to that the police department would have. Okay. Now we have to understand uh, that uh, any conversations between a person and a lawyer would be privileged. Mm -hmm. So we might have some issues there, even if the person is missing it very well. At the time, the Paris could have popped up alive you know, just after this email was, you know, so, you know, so there might be some ethical issues there, uh, but we have to think about that. But um, have you ever spoken to this lawyer? Do you know if this lawyer ever gave Paris any advice regarding this topic? I have not spoken with the um, lawyer. So I am, no, I'm not sure if he gave her any advice okay. on that topic. Um, hmm. I probably could still try to contact him and see. Yeah, I, I think that's a, I yeah. think that would be, I'd certainly recommend that to you. Right. Once again, right. I understand there's going to be privilege issues here, but you mm -hmm. got to at least try it. You know, you got you know you right. got to at least ask. You know, you just never know what could happen. So, but we have of course she goes missing, but at some point she felt motivated enough about something that was going on in her life to contact a lawyer about it. Right. Okay. And I know for me, um, you know, the work that I do being that we do talk about very sensitive topics and talk people, use people's names, you know, a few years ago, I went and spoke to a lawyer about you know, learning more about, you know, slander and defamation and, and all these other things now. But once again, my time with him is, is privileged. So anything I'm allowed, of course, to talk about it. He's not allowed to talk about it. Um, right, it's, exactly. it's, you know, it's, um, 
but still, you know, the, so I know about going to talk to a lawyer if you're concerned about something. And so these, you know, these things happen, but we just don't know where that conversation went, if it went anywhere. Okay. Right. Now on the, you know, maybe coincidentally in this interview, or maybe not so, we, of course, very early on, we talked about who is this guy that uh, Paris knew. They got to know each other, uh, met each other in, in Easter, maybe either 2018 or 2019. They had a mutual friend who introduced them. Uh, she used to go up and see him when he was at school. Now, the listeners and viewers will have to determine this for themselves, but um, had some issues. What is your, what is your understanding about the issues that he uh, had even before Paris went missing? He had some um, behavioral issues or mental issues or something. What is your understanding regarding this, and how did you find this out? Well, my understanding is he had some kind of, I don't know if it was more like a mental issue or if he took a substance that caused him to have a mental issue at that time. Mm -hmm. um, but he, um, uh, his name was definitely mentioned to the police by me um, after Paris's mm -hmm. disappearance. Um, of course, they spoke with him and um at that time, his alibi was that he was not even in Ohio at that time. He Dang. had um, just um, uh, maybe a couple days prior to Christmas had been released from a uh, mental, mental institution that is um, located in Maslin. And once he was released from there, he was um, taken back to um, Georgia where his family resided all right all right so we're going to go through that a little slower again thank you but just to be clear on this Sorry. how did you how did you find this out how did you find out that he was I, how did you find out i found out from the police the from police the told you was, the, from from the detective that was handling the um paris's case mm -hmm. after questioning him that was his story that was his alibi. That's mm -hmm. where he was stating that he was at. Okay. So that the way this the way this went is you mentioned to them about the guy. Mm -hmm. And then they went to talk to him. And it was he who mm -hmm. revealed that he had some issues and he had to go to this behavior institute, etc. That is your understanding. Yes. Okay. Now, the important part about this is that. He was going to school in Worcester, Ohio, but he was actually at a behavior institute in Massillon, which is where you and Paris were on Christmas Day. Right. Right. And how close are Worcester, Ohio and Massillon, Ohio? About 25 minutes away. All right. Okay. So kind of close, but mm -hmm. certainly not the same town. They certainly have different zip codes. Um, yes. And you got to speak to him, and what would you say his reaction was to when you talked to him personally and told him, you know, Paris is missing, how did he react? What did he say? Well, he just actually, he, he expressed his concern. He um, basically was just saying that we have to um, 
trust that God would bring her home. And um, he said, well, you know that, you know, your daughter is, um, she's a very good planner and she's very smart. Um, whatever she's going through, you know, she can get through this. And he basically was just telling me, like, keep the faith and um, she will return home. And by the time you were talking to him, to him, is it your understanding he was then back in the state of Georgia where he's originally from? Uh, at that time, I'm not sure if he was um, still in Georgia or if he had returned back to Ohio to um, back to school. Wasn't really sure where he was at at that time when we spoke. Okay. And we only spoke, um, we only spoke um, via messenger on Facebook. Oh, okay. So, All yeah. right. So you didn't actually hear his voice. No. Okay. Um, did he have any insight on why Paris? Did he ever offer up an opinion on why Paris was missing? No, not at <coughs> all. No, not to me. He didn't. Okay. Not to me. He did not. Okay. Now, here's the other important question I, I'm going to ask you. Do you think that Paris knew that he was at this behavior institute in Massillon? I'm not sure if she did or not. She um, probably, um, I'm going to say no, because I think that if she knew that she would at least mention it to me, I'm not so. sure um, how, how um, long it had been between before those two had spoke. I don't remember them speaking a whole lot before she went missing. So I didn't, I'm not sure when the last time she had spoke to him before the day, before the day she went missing. Okay, but so. she did not mention to me about him being in a mental institution. All right, and certainly didn't mention that he, he was in one in Massillon, Ohio, where you two were going for Christmas. Exactly. Now, the one in Maslin is probably the closest to a lot of cities around here. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big one. One of the main ones. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know about any other ones. Okay, because I agree with you. It seems the relationship. Once again, sometimes kids don't want to tell their parents things. But I think for the average person, they're going to say, well, if she knew that he was in this institute, even if he had gotten out a week before, that you would have thought that she would have made, you know, she would have even said to you in passing, hey, he's really having some yeah. tough times. He had to be admitted into this institute, you know, to, you know, to get some help. She never said anything like that to you. No, she didn't. And I would think that she would. If she knew, I would think that she would have mentioned it to me. Okay, thank you. Now, uh, the listeners and viewers should know that I actually looked this up, this Behavior Institute. Once again, we should know for the record, saying he was not there on December 25th, 2019. He said that he got let out before then, maybe a few days before, maybe a week before. That's at least what he told the police. I'm hoping the police at mm -hmm. least looked into that. Um, you know, we're just not going to take somebody's word for that. But... Right. And I've already told you this, uh, Rochelle, but the Behavior Institute is only 1.6 miles from your parents' house. Yeah, it's not very far at all. Less than two miles. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, that is one. I gotta tell you, that's one heck of a coincidence. <laughs> Once again, I'm not saying did you know anything to do with this disappearance, but when things like that come up, we you know we we have to talk about them. We have no choice, but we have to, you know have to talk about these things. Okay. Right. And once again, um, it doesn't seem like he was in the area to help with any searches or anything like that. No, I no, I didn't see him at all. Okay. When was the last time you spoke to? Um, the last time I had a I text with him, I would say I want to say it was uh in twenty 2020, twenty twenty one. So it's been yeah. a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. Yes. Okay. Do you t do you keep tabs on him just to see where he is and what he's doing or not? Um, no, because actually I believe that he got a a different Facebook page. Oh, he did. Mm-hmm. Because the last me. Facebook page um that he had it hasn't really been used in uh, about a year. Okay. The one that I was friends with him with. I believe that maybe he got hacked or something because I remember getting a message in my messenger. You know, one of those kind of um, scam ones. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I got one of those from his um, messenger and I just, I knew it wasn't him because I was mm -hmm. like, okay, because I remember saying, if this is, you know, what's my daughter's name? And he couldn't answer that. So I was just okay. like, okay. This has to be a scam. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now, being that you were friends with social media, Facebook, wherever, did he ever post anything about Paris's disappearance? Like, hey, be on the lookout for or, or a flyer. Did he ever post anything like that that you saw? I do not remember seeing anything on his page. No. Okay. Let's move on to this. Now, um, of course, that's, you might use the bizarre word with regarding how he was at this institute in Maslin. You two end up going to Maslin. But this is something else that was kind of bizarre, is that somebody who is a, a friend of yours, a friend of the family's, made a post about Paris might have gone, it might be karma for something that Paris allegedly did. And once again, being that this was on a public forum, we have to talk about it. What did this person say? Oh, it said something about she um, had slept with um, one of my friend's husbands. One of your friends? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, we're not going to get into names on this, but... How long have you known this person? Have you ever known this person to make outrageous comments on social media? What kind of character does this person have? Uh, how shocked were you by this? What can you say about all of that? Well, I don't remember her. I know that she didn't, that friend, she doesn't have social media. Okay. So she actually had sent a um, message uh, to um, one of... Uh, it was actually one of Perry's friends. Okay. He also knew Perry, so I would say it's Paris and Perry's friend. He um received the message because she she knew him. He she messaged him and said that, and he forwarded that message to me because he said, "What's going on with her? What's she talking about?" So he sent that message to me, and it basically said that um. You know, uh, 
if you if you guys do find Paris, tell her I'm going to rearrange her face for messing with my husband. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Once again, you know this person. Does that sound like this? The way this person talks, or did somebody? You know, uh, what do you what are you, what do you think about this? Oh uh, well, I can I can definitely um, see her talking like that. After I received that message from him, I personally messaged her, and she was talking the same way to me. So I do know that she felt that way. Like she was angry. She was. Um, basically saying well this is probably just her karma for messing with my husband i kept asking her what was she talking about she really didn't um elaborate too much on why she was saying that the only thing that she did say at that time is oh well i paid her myself and i'm like what are you talking about so and she what she was just like it was so much anger in her text messaging me she wasn't very clear on what she was saying all she just kept saying is you know she was messing with my husband and i i wanted to talk to her because i i yeah. thought that me and her were very very good friends but yeah she would not answer yeah. the phone when i called she would only text with me and i mean the text messages she just sound angry i did forward every one of those messages to the detective also are you sure that maybe it just wasn't somebody who got a hold of her phone no i don't think so because i remember reaching out to her husband and her husband told me um she's really mad right now so i am not gonna talk to you did you ask him if he ever slept with paris i did and he said yes he did mm -hmm. they did they did they did have a sexual relationship Yes, I, I, wow. as far as I know, at least once. Yes. Was did that was that surprising to you? Very. Okay. Where do they live? Um, they live um about south from uh, Maslin in um a city called Strasbourg. How far away from okay. Maslin? Uh, I'm gonna say that's probably about maybe twenty. 25 minutes maybe okay did you being that you didn't you didn't spoke to her but you spoke to him do you did you ever ask him hey you know paris is missing why do you, you know what do you think um, about that did you ever offer up an opinion I, as to why paris went missing um i they were both both of them were questioned by the police they mm -hmm. um both they both had um alibis of where they were that day at the time that Paris went missing. Um, mm -hmm. I uh, haven't um, ha didn't hear from neither, either one of them for a, about a year and a half and then he sent me a he decided to follow, start following me on Snapchat. Okay. So um I did um, ask him if he knew anything about Paris, um, her disappearance, and he just said, I really don't know anything, and I'm sorry that this has happened. His, okay. I mean, he, like I said, him and his wife were both questioned. Okay. 
regarding it. And um, the wife, um, the police did ask the, um, his wife why, you know, why did she send those messages? And she said, well, I was just so angry because I, she, she claimed that she didn't, she didn't find out about it until after her and her husband got back together because apparently they had been separated for a while and which I wasn't even aware. And um, she said that she had just found out and she was just angry and she was just speaking out of anger. But, and they, you know, he said that he did tell her, you know, you know, you, you picked the, you picked the wrong time to, to speak out of anger, yeah, you know, regarding Paris. And, um, but still, even if she was sorry for what she said, she never reached out to me afterwards and apologized or anything. So, do you have a timeline as to when this guy and uh, Paris got together? Um, I was it was it in 2019? Um, I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. yes in 2019. Okay. Um, I'm gonna um maybe there was probably about four months where I didn't hear from. Her my friend or her husband it was about four months i'm maybe guessing in between those times when i didn't even hear from either one of them um and what's funny is parents never mentioned either one of them during that time either so okay all right so obviously she didn't want you to know that she was sleeping with this woman's husband obviously Okay. Because that um, is, it came as a shock. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure it did. So do you, retrospectively, how do you think that she and this guy were communicating to even even um, make this happen? Any idea? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he was the guy with the text app number. I don't know. Something that certainly comes to mind, Rochelle, certainly does come to mind. Okay, but allegedly they have uh, alibis, but it's, once again, you know, we have somebody who might have been just right down the street at the same time, but then we find out that Paris was sleeping with this guy. We're not, I'm not here to make value judgments or anything, but it was something right. that, that wasn't known by you, and uh, I'm not saying she's, you know, Paris has to tell you everything, but... Right. You know, this is just something else to think about regarding all of this. Now, I will, you know, just ask you this, and this is something I've already asked you that comes to mind. Once again, my experience, you're talking about uh, her being sleepless and I look at her age and then I hear that, you know, she had this relationship with a married guy and everything. And I'm going to ask you, is it possible that Paris was pregnant? Um. Well, you know, anything is possible, but once again, I had no idea of that. I would think that if Paris was pregnant, that I would be one of the first people to know about it. Right. Actually. You're right. Um, so, so, um, I, no, I never suspected that at all. Okay. All right. Cause that's the first thing that I think about when I start hearing a, a woman who, you know, everything's going fine and all of a sudden she's has problems sleeping. She's nervous about something and, you know, she has this guy, you know, that she's seeing once in a while, this married guy, I mean, what kind of married guy is going to actually lie about that? He actually admitted, you know, be having this relationship 
you know, with Paris, we have to start thinking about, you know, could something have been, you know, could something have happened? And this might have could have right. led to her disappearance. It's something we have to entertain. Okay. I, I should ask you this, being that you lived with her for a time and we know that the police took her phone and everything else, but you know, once she started going through things after she went missing and went back eventually back to Columbus, and of course all of her possessions are back there, anything that you came across, anything that of course we've already found out some, you know, things that you didn't know about, but you didn't find you know, so other people knew that and told you. Anything you found out about about um paris that was a surprise to you in, in looking through anything um no because i i definitely was looking and um trying to see if i could find anything any kind of clues i didn't see anything i um i was even trying to see if i saw like pieces of like if there were pieces of her clothing that i knew that she had that were missing because maybe right. I, she, you know, like maybe she packed a bag or, you know what I mean? Because that would have gave me a little bit of clarity of if she meant to leave or if something else happened, you know? Um, I didn't find anything. I just actually, um, I even went through her laptop that she had left behind. Um, didn't see anything um, unusual on her laptop no messages, no emails or anything like that. Okay. Nothing that she looked up or researched other than, um, you know, just some um, basic, like her resume was on there. Um, maybe a few things that she was writing, like songs. Um, I know that she was in the middle of writing a script for a movie. Some of that information was down there but nothing unusual at all. Okay. Rochelle, how, uh, of course, we know that the year you, your uh, son died in 2018 from this, this car wreck, from injuries sustained in this car wreck. We've seen that it seems that there's still a mystery regarding that. And so then, of course, your daughter goes missing in late 2019. I can't imagine this. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I've, covered uh, a, a woman, Joyce Rivetuzo, who lost two daughters to disappearances going back to the late mm -hmm. 1970s. That's still unsolved. But, you know, mm -hmm. how tough has this all been for you? Oh, well, it's my um, daily nightmare. Um, <laughs> it, it's been tough, but um, I'm getting through it. I've been faithful that one day I'll see Pierce again and that she'll come home. Until I know different, I'm just going to keep my faith that she's alive and she'll be home. Um, i just been focusing on trying to, you know, take care of myself also. Right. And, um, yeah, um, I've uh, been working part-time, just staying busy. Yeah. Oh, it's it's been, it's been rough, but... I just, I guess it could be worse. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, um, of course we know that you're, you're, of course we know that your son died once again under very mysterious circumstances and there, and there could be a, mm -hmm. a person out there or maybe even more than one person 
who who knows what happened and, and has maybe gotten away with something. Of course, if that person right. was driving, right. then it would be, you know, you know, the vehicular homicide, certainly, you know, if they were in the wrong regard. Exactly. And, and but with of course we always hope that you know Paris is alive out there somewhere. We'll always hold out hope, um, mm -hmm. you know. And it just uh, you know how does a woman walk away on a you know beautiful Ohio afternoon on Christmas, you know, and nobody really saw her work and walking. We only have this one witness, so I guess we could believe that right. you know she did get picked up by somebody. Of course, we hold out hope that you know she is alive and. Uh, you know, we'll come back, of course, soon. Um, do you have a Facebook page, website, anything like that set up for Paris's disappearance? If you do, why don't you tell the listeners and viewers about it right now? Yes, there is um, a Facebook page set up. Um, a friend of mine has it set up. It's called um, Finding Paris. And it's on Facebook. There is another one, and I don't know the name right offhand because it was kind of set up uh, maybe a year after and um, not much attention on that one. The okay. Finding Paris page is probably the most popular one, Main one. To, um, to follow, yes. Okay. And are you an administrator on that? I am. But I don't do much. Um, uh, my my um, actually, my niece's mother is the administrator. Okay. She's, yeah. All right. So somebody who you're close to runs it. Yes. Okay. Because yes. uh, maybe a lot of listeners don't realize they come across a lot of these missing persons pages on Facebook, and they're not really run by anybody connected to the family. Or, oh, it's just some stranger just starts some page regarding right. some disappearance. <laughs> right. And I'm always, you know, that's that's always a little <laughs> weird to me. So I, that's why I always have to ask to make sure that you know that page, whatever or group or whatever it is, is under control of the family, so we know good information is getting out there, and it's just not some just anybody who just wants to have a page and kind of control something. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Rochelle, any final words before we complete this interview? Um, no, I don't really have any final words. I thank you for, um, inviting me to talk with you. You're very welcome. Yeah, that's what I do. I talk to people <laughs> like, uh, I talk to people like people like yourself. Uh, this is, this is, that's the only thing I do. I cover disappearances, unsolved disappearances. Um, so that, that's what I do. Um, but thank you. I'll take, I'll take all the blessings I can get. Thank you, thank you Michelle. Trust me. I need them. You're um, you're very kind. Thank you. And I appreciate you being on this episode of unfound. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. And that was my September 11th, 2022 interview with Rochelle Hobson, mother of Paris Hobson. I thank her for appearing on both audio and video for this episode. And I once again thank all of you for understanding the occasional deleting of Paris's friend's name from the interview. I love information, but I don't love it enough to violate anyone's rights. I've made a map analysis video for Paris's disappearance. 
you can now find it on the Unfound Podcast channel on YouTube. Now to my summation. I start by saying there is nothing I've heard that leads me to believe someone caused Paris' disappearance due to her knowing or investigating something about her brother's car wreck. If she were going to meet someone who allegedly knew something about it, she would have taken her phone. Paris would have driven to the spot, even if it were right down the street. She would have taken a lot more precautions than anything she did that day she disappeared. This brings me to a set of facts Rochelle discussed that we have to believe must be connected. Those would be the email to the lawyer, Paris's anxiety and sleeplessness, and the texts from someone whose identity is still secret, but someone who Paris obviously knew. These days, when I hear about blackmail and extortion of the average person, I think about revenge porn. This happens a lot on apps like Snapchat and TikTok. Women or even girls are tricked into sending X-rated pictures to someone, then that person turns around and threatens to make them public. If certain demands, usually both sexual and financial, aren't met. However, there's also the kind of revenge porn where an ex-lover is in possession of a video or pictures. And to get back at the ex, the jilted lover threatens to make these items public. Once again, if certain demands aren't met, or the people do so anyway just to embarrass the ex. Either way, and in either the latter or former situation, the victims start to worry about their reputations and what others will think of them. And this has even caused people, mainly women, to commit suicide. Something to think about. The other group of facts we must contemplate is the leaving behind of Paris's ID, her phone, and credit card. All of you know by now that these important possessions being in the car are a bad sign. And I think under such circumstances, we go right to the conclusion that this is a suicide. The person doesn't want to be tracked using GPS. The person doesn't want to be able to be identified if found. Very common in suicide scenarios. What may fly in the face of that, though, is Paris took her purse. Do you need a purse to commit suicide? Maybe if it has a gun in it, but is there any proof Paris bought a gun? Not that I've heard. And you would think that would have come out by now. Surely gun dealers in the area now know about Paris's disappearance. I guess what I'm saying is, we may need to find a theory in which Paris was not suicidal, but that she didn't think it was in her best interests to have her phone or ID or credit card on her for whatever she was going to do. These are the puzzles that keep us all up at night, no matter where we live. 
I'll leave the theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.